And we're looking at making the approach and setting up uh, the study. This is one of the more practical uh, lessons that we have. We're getting into more of the practical lessons as we go through this, obviously. Uh, but let me jump over here to my syllabus, our syllabus. Um, we're looking at... Uh, Today we're looking at obviously making the approach and setting up the study, but next week and the following weeks, uh, next week we look at teaching methods and then we start looking at conducting the Bible study. Uh, but as I've mentioned before, uh, this is probably the most difficult part of any Bible study is just getting that study uh, set up, making the approach and getting that Bible study set up. And so we're going to be looking this evening, if you remember, uh, I mentioned a few books in our syllabus, some recommended books. And the last few weeks, we've really been looking a lot from, at some things from Roger Campbell's book on evangelistic efforts, taking the gospel to the lost souls far and near. Uh, this evening, however, we'll be looking primarily at the book by our brother James Bales. Uh, he wrote a book uh, called Evangelism Every Member Every Day. It is an excellent book. And so whenever I have... A book such as that available, uh, I'm going to take advantage of it. <coughs> there, I'm sure, have been a, a lot of different uh, books written about evangelism. Uh, some that are, of course, we may agree with, and some we would not. But uh, Brother Bales makes some uh, excellent points for us to consider. And so let's go ahead and begin this evening. We'll begin by looking at the idea of making uh, the approach. And we, I'm going to read some, ex, some uh, different sections from his book, and we'll make comments on that as we go through this this evening. But he says, No one can lay down a hard and fast... Just a second. As I mentioned before, uh, I always have to have that on to make sure that I can, when I do my tests, audio tests, that you can hear me. But during the class... Uh, you're, you know, you're typing, so I can't exactly hear you, so I don't have to have any, there's really no reason for me to have those on, so I always like to take them off. Um, anyway, making the approach, he says, no one can lay down a hard and fast blueprint of the exact series of steps which should be taken in approaching others. And I think that's something we have to remember is that there's really no set way of going about doing things. We have to remember that we all have, are going to have our own, own ideas or not say our own uh, knack of how we do things um, but I think there are some general ideas we can take we can learn from one another uh, he says we need to understand the basic principles involved but these principles must be applied as the situation develops the situation may take some very unexpected turns what comes next may not depend on what on what you want to come next but on what the co contact does or says and so basically what he's saying here is that anything is possible when you're talking, when you're, trying, when you're making the approach and trying to, to set up a Bible study. And, uh, you know, you never know what someone's going to say, how they're going to react. Uh, you mentioned the Bible to someone. Uh, you know, you could be talking to him in a line in a grocery store, and you, and you mention or just make a reference to a Bible verse or something, or just the Bible in general or to the church in general, and boom, boom, they're turned off that quickly. Uh, from what, well, from anything else you have to say. So people don't always respond the way we'd like. I think that's the point he's making here is that uh, when we make the approach, is not we don't know how it's going to go. 
We don't know how a person's going to respond, what they're going to say. So, and because of that, there's no set way of how you can do things because you don't know what someone's going to say or what they're thinking or if they're going to be receptive or if they're going to be unreceptive, if they're going to be upset. You know, some people get upset when you start talking about the Bible. They're not just unreceptive. They get upset. They get angry when you start talking about those things. Uh, he says, in ordinary discussions of the Bible with people, we are not l lined up against an enemy. Uh, there may be occasions when some set themselves up as our enemies, but we should view our contacts and personal work as friends to be persuaded and one for Christ. He says, thus we should not pounce on them, but share with them the bread of life. And I think that's something we have to really think about, that when we talk to those who are outside the body of Christ, they're not our enemies. They're those who we are hoping to study with. And I can remember, <coughs> I've seen occasions uh, where people have been talking to someone and trying to really uh, teach them something or, or or someone makes a comment and they jump all over them. And what they did, what they, ha they had just done, is they have just ruined any chance of having a personal Bible study with that person. And so we cannot jump all over them for anything they may say or may believe. Uh, after all, that's why the lost are lost, because they're not living their life in, in accordance to the Word of God. Uh, if they were saved, we wouldn't need to talk to them. At least not. we wouldn't need to <laughs> We wouldn't need to set up a personal Bible study with them that would lead them to salvation if they're already saved. And so we we shouldn't be, might say, someone who, re, who, re, who reacts too quickly or aggressively to someone else's ideas, especially if you want to have a Bible study. Now, there may be a difference, he says, in the way in which you ordinarily discuss a Bible with a contact and in the way in which you would discuss a Bible with a representative of a particular faith in the presence of others. So what we sum out here is that it may be different how you do a Bible study or talk with someone about the Bible when they're just a member of a congregation. You would handle that differently than if you're talking to, for instance, a pastor, a quote pastor, from a denomination. Now, you know, your your discussion with them is going to be quite a bit different from someone else who, who is not a, quote, leader of a denomination. Uh, many times we talk with those in the denomination world, especially the leaders, a pastor, or a deacon, or where the case may be. Uh, I know many times the way I do it is I have a, you know, I just ask them questions. And I just see, hear what they say. And then we build off of that. And uh, with personal Bible studies, you may you can do that, but you want to you probably want to ask the same questions because you're going to you really want to get into a discussion with them, and uh, you want to do that with leaders as well. But leaders, you know, a lot but you know, a little bit more different because many times leaders why are they leaders? Well, because they are absolutely convinced of what it, what it is they're they're believing and teaching, and so their approach to you also is going to be different as well. <coughs> Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> and now he mentions next the idea of fishers of men. And if you look at <clears throat> if you look at Luke chapter uh, two or Luke chapter five and verse ten, the Bible says, "And so was also James and John the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto them, Fear not; from henceforth thou shalt catch men." And the idea of catching men. Is really the idea of you take them alive. That is, you you take them and you you you, you know when you catch a fish, you want to kill it, and you want to eat it. Well, when you fishers of men, you're not going to kill the person, but you want to take them alive. That is, you want you want to uh, be able to study with them, talk with them. 
You might say capture their attention, that type of thing. Uh, <clears throat> we should be... Uh, we shall we shall be taken by Christ or by the devil, and there is a vast difference uh, in the outcomes. You know, Christ wants to take us. That is, he wants to take us and, and have us obey the gospel, be obedient. But you know, Satan does as well, and that's the point he's making here, that we're going to be taken by somebody, that somebody's going to persuade us to be obedient or disobedient. Uh, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 26 uh, here the Bible says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who, who are taken captive by him at his will. And so the devil wants to take us captive, but Christ also wants to take, the, take us captive. But the difference is where Christ wants to lead us and where Satan wants to lead us. Uh, from the work of, a fish, of the fishermen, we can learn several things. First thing is patience. Brother uh, Bale says here, in fact, we need un unlimited perseverance. Now, patience, you know, it's a reason why it's called a virtue, because it's not easy. And I've always tell people, if you're going to pray for patience, you, you don't, maybe times people don't realize what they're asking for, because patience can be a tough, tough lesson to, to learn. But patience is something you definitely need in a Bible study. He talks about how he says his grandfather told him, uh, told of one of his sons who hunted squirrels. He says that when you think you have hunted long enough, he says, hunt an hour longer. In other words, he was not to let himself become discouraged, or if he did, to keep on in spite of discouragement. We cannot sow corn today and eat roasting ears tomorrow. It takes time to plant, to cultivate, and to reap. And so, you think about that, Bible studies, it takes time. And I think sometimes we get discouraged, not because of our of the trouble we're having with Bible studies, but sometimes it's because of the members around us. You know, I think some people don't realize the idea of how or how difficult Bible studies are to set them up and then you conduct them, uh, because many times those who are mostly critical of people in the congregation and preachers, especially, are being are criticized a lot about Bible studies. But I think a lot of times that's done by those who have to be honest, have never conducted a Bible study. and never even approached someone. Uh, but, you know, a personal Bible study, it takes a lot of work to set it up. As we're talking about this evening, that's the most difficult part is setting up the Bible study. We can plan a lot of things in the study for what we're going to talk about. It may not always work out, but we can have a plan. Making the, When you make the approach to someone, you have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, you know, you don't know if they're going to slap you or punch you or they're going to be willing to sit there and listen because some people's response uh, can get, they get very upset, uh, especially with, with the atheist worldview that's being pushed so hard uh, today. It takes time, he says, to plant, to cultivate, and to reap. You know, setting up a Bible study it takes time. Sometimes the longest part of a Bible study is convincing someone or persuading someone to sit down and study with you. And so we cannot be discouraged. We have to have patience. Second is faith in things unseen. And I think about this, and in his book, this is simply all he says. He says, second, faith in things unseen. And he says, third, and he goes on. Now, he may explain some more of this later, but I think about faith in things <clears throat> unseen. You know, when you talk with someone or invite them to a Bible study, even if they decline, we don't know what's going through their minds long after we have walked away from them. 
uh, being invited to, to, to study the Bible with someone and you tell them no, but still you're thinking about it for, for hours and hours later. Uh, Raju says here, we will find fishing or fishing for men's souls by the gospel of Jesus and the sword of the spirit, which is, uh, the word of God. And that's right. That's how, that's what we use is the word of God. And we are to search with them, search for them as if we are fishing for men. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But he says, faith in things unseen. We don't know what's going to go through that person's mind after we have even made the approach. You know, I think that's why we have to have patience. Because sometimes even you ask someone to have a Bible study, if you want to talk about something, uh, they may say no, but you know, later on, they may be the one who approaches you. And so we have to have faith even when we in things that we don't know what's going on. Uh, we also have to remember that, you know, the providence of God, uh, we never know how God works you may use something in that person's life to make them think about studying the bible with you so we have to have faith in things unseen third he says here again simply he says skill <coughs> now it does take skill to have a <clears throat> to have a bible study you have to be skilled in the word of god as you mentioned before uh, you have to be skilled enough, as we're going to talk about in a few moments, to know who it is you're talking to, know something about them. And so you, there is skill involved. And then he says, fourthly, conviction that he has not yet exhausted the possibilities of his art. You think about that. The idea that we do not stop doing we do not, we do not stop reaching out to the lost because we think we have exhausted uh, you know, the whole area. And I know people who've been in places for 30 years, and they're still out talking to people, trying to get studies. And I'll some people here in the same town, they're not doing anything. Because they try three, four times. Well, let me let me rephrase. They try once or twice, and they decide, no, that's enough. So we should not, we should have the conviction that he, that we have not yet exhausted exhausted the possibilities. Uh, we think about fishermen. He says the delicacy of touch. And we're going to talk more about this in a moment, the idea of, of how we talk with someone, how we communicate with them, and their feelings, their attitudes, things such as that. And sixth, he says he needs to understand the fish. He needs to understand not merely something about fish. When we say fish, we mean men today, you know, people. Uh, he, but also something about the particular kind of fish or men he is trying to catch at a particular time. He needs a knowledge of the interests and, and the habits of the fish or the people he's trying to reach. That's what we're talking about. And a knowledge of the, of the bait that will attract the fish. He must even become sensitive to the best time to fish. You know, there are certain times which we can reach people throughout the day, and certain times are not so good. And so we have to know when's the best time and the best way to talk with someone. You know, walking up to someone out of the blue just saying, hey, you want to study the Bible, that's probably not going to work. I won't say it'll never work because you never know what someone's going to say, but that's really not how you do it. That's really not how we would normally do it, probably. We talk, we probably would walk up to him, you know, start trying to make a conversation and then work around to it. Or maybe we don't even work around to it the very first time. We just kind of befriend them. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. He says, although we, build a, we, although we may build a building to attract fish to come and be taught and caught, we still need to know what attracts different kinds of fish. But the bell says we must do more than call the fish to us. We must go to them. Uh, you know, we have to re we have to do what we can to to attract people to get them to come to to, to our services to invite them. 
when I say we attract them, we have to do what we can. It mean, of course, that we change the Word of God or we uh, start teaching half-truths or something like that. I mean, we have to do all we can to try to encourage people to make to make them to to encourage them to come, and also do what we can to make it appealing for them to come. Uh, doesn't mean we have to have the nicest church building or we have to have all these different kinds of events, but we want some, we want to have have some some things going on which would which they might be interested in. You know, not just bi- you know Bible classes, not just Bible classes, maybe a vacation Bible school. Uh, maybe you know a gospel meeting or, or whatever case it may be, uh, you know a special sermon series or something. Uh, sometimes those things will attract people, whereas just coming on a normal Sunday they wouldn't do that. But you say, hey, we're starting a new series on these lessons. Would you be interested in coming to visit uh, for these lessons? And so we need to do what we can to try to get people to to come and to visit with us. And we cannot, as he said, talks about here, you know, we cannot just step back and wait for people to come. Uh, those, you know, surprisingly sometimes that seems to be what happens, but that doesn't mean that that's how we should do it. <clears throat> he says, as a fisher of men, Christ tied the things in with the interest and understandings of the people. He met them where they were and then tried to take them where they ought to be. So you think about that. You think about Luke chapter 5. Let me back up here. Luke chapter 5, verses 10. This time also verse 11. He says, And so also so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to, said unto Simon, Fear not, from, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. You think about the various uh, illustrations that Christ uses. You know, talks about, Sowing seed, you know, the sower goes out and he casts out seed. And he talks about the four different types of soils. Well, why did he do that? Because people during that time and that location, what did they do? Well, they, they sowed seed, they farmed. <coughs> he talks about the sheep and one going astray. Why is he talking about that? Because they were farmers. And so he used illustrations to help them, that they could relate to, to help them come and to be able to relate that to them and be able to use that as a way to teach them the gospel. Relate something, to, use a parable or illustration they can relate to, is what I'm trying to say. <coughs> Excuse me. We think about how we approach people. We need to also keep in mind the idea how we must approach their needs through their interests. You know, we have here the church building. We have a what we call a food pantry once a month, where we give out food to the to the area. Uh, what's interesting is we started asking people to attend the Bible class before we handed out food, and it literally cut the number of people we had in half. And since then, it's even gone down a little bit more uh, because people, to be honest, whether they go get their food somewhere else and have to sit through a 30-minute Bible class. But it also is interesting the number of people who will sit through it and listen, not just sit through it, but listen. And make comments during the class, and make comments afterwards as well. And so we have to, we can use those things to, to, to. We can approach them. We, he says we must approach their needs through through their interests. Well, these people, he's not thinking about those who come to our food pantry. They need uh, help with with food and things. And we can also, as we tell them, we're not just trying to feed you physically, but trying to provide some spiritual food as well. And so they're interested in having the ability to get 
uh, food given to them. And by doing that, we were able to teach a Bible class to them or have a Bible class with them at least once a, once a month. Uh, Brother Bell says, In other words, we must start where people are. If, if everyone were where they ought to be, this world, uh, this would indeed be a fine world, but such is not the case. <coughs> Excuse me, I talked about this past Sunday. Uh, in one of my lessons, I talked about, uh, one of my morning lessons, I talked about God and and homosexuality was my morning lesson. And one of the final points I made came from Mark chapter 2. If you want to go there, Mark chapter 2, uh, verses 16 and 17. In Mark 2, and verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with the publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have have no need of physician, but they that are sick, I, I I I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And you think about that, Christ he is being ridiculed or being judged because he's sitting. The Bible says in verse seventeen, uh, verse sixteen, that he's sitting with the publicans and sinners. The New King James says uh, tax collectors and sinners. You know. Sometimes we have to be able we have to be able to sit down and talk with people who are doing things that we don't agree with that the Bible doesn't agree with. You know, sometimes you sit down and you talk with someone they laugh a cigarette. You gonna get them to walk away? Well, no, probably not. Uh, if they open up a beer, maybe we'll walk away. But you know, if they're gonna sit there and listen to us, you might continue talking with them. But we have to make sure, of course, that we don't condone sin. We're trying to talk with them. You know, Christ, when he was talking with there in Mark 2, 16 and 17, was he condoning sin? No. He says in verse 17, notice what he says in the very last part of verse 17. He says, I, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to what? He says, to repentance. That what they're doing is wrong. He's not there because he thinks what they're doing is okay. He's there because they need to hear the gospel and obey and to repent of things, which would include maybe some things that they were doing there. And so we have to be willing to go to people where they are and be able to realize that, you know, some people are going to have, you know, a smoking problem. Some people are going to have a foul language problem. Uh, some people will have various other problems. We have to be willing to talk with them and try to do what we can to uh, study with them, to about them services and, and those other types of things without condoning sin. But sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zone in order to reach those who are lost. <coughs> Um, excuse me. You know, Raju says here, understanding of the people is very significant. You know, in your Bible studies, if you have a Bible study with someone, uh, you know, if you set up a Bible study, uh, when you get into the Bible study, you start talking about counting the costs and things like that, like we'll get into later, uh, that would be something, that would be the time to talk about, you know, well, you know, the Bible says this about smoking, the Bible says this about alcohol. Bible says this about foul language, and so that'd be the time then to talk about, you know, if you're going to be a Christian, there's some some things that have to change, and let them read the, you know, read the text, and we'll talk more about that later. But basically, let them know that time, hey, before you know, if you're going, if you're interested in obeying the gospel, we have to some of the things you have to consider that it requires change, requires repentance. But sometimes we have to endure those things that they are doing that are sinful in order so we can sit down and talk with them. Uh, but we cannot condone it. 
We can never condone sin so we can have a Bible study of someone. I remember a brother who told me, well, you know, this person told me that if, he, if I sit down and have a, a glass of wine with him, then I can talk with him. So you're so basically what he's saying is if I sit down and I drink wine and commit sin so I can talk with this person about the gospel, then that's okay. Well, that's what he was advocating. And what's interesting was that person wasn't there. So obviously it didn't work. But also it's sinful. You cannot commit sin and try to reach someone with the gospel. Uh, that is not what we find in the Bible. Christ was not condoning sin. He was condemning it. It was there to draw them to repentance and not to condone their sinful actions. I must have a repeated slide. Let's go to the next one. We must approach uh, their needs, their interests. We've talked about that. Be aware of feelings and attitudes. Some people <coughs> would be interested, excuse me, in having a Bible study, but they don't want to do it in front of others. You know, that's okay. To be honest, a lot of people, that's what you're going to run into. They don't want to have a Bible study with, with a lot of people around. They don't want to talk about it at all. Uh, because maybe they don't want others to, to, you know, when they, especially if someone, you get, I mean, you gotta remember you're talking with someone who's lost, so if they start getting rest in something and someone else who's there, you know, starts poking fun at what you're talking about, a person may be interested, is going to maybe put off and say, you know what, never mind, just just forget it. So if they're embarrassed to discuss a religion in front of others, then try, find another time and let them know that, hey, you know, if you want to meet some, you know, for a coffee or something and we can we can study these things or we can talk about, you know, in private or, you know, wherever. And so you have to be aware of their feelings. Uh, I would also encourage you not to have a private Bible study with someone of the opposite sex by yourself. Uh, when you talk about being those embarrassed to discuss religion in front of others, I understand that. But at the same time, at least bring someone else there who can come with you. Even if they can't bring someone else, bring someone else with you. Don't do a one-on-one -on -one Bible study with someone of the opposite sex. Uh, that's not a good idea. Uh, too many things can be said. Too many uh, too many possibilities. Even if you're innocent, do nothing wrong, doesn't mean someone else won't say something. Because you have to remember, there are those who do not like the gospel being taught. We were out passing out Bible tracts, and we were passing out, we were actually passing out advertisements for a VBS, and the lady didn't like that we were giving it to her, and so we went hung a door hanger on our neighbors, and she walked over and took it off her neighbor's door. And so, you know, that's why I say if you have a Bible study with someone one on one, they're female. They don't like you, you know what? They may start saying stuff. It may not be true, but it doesn't mean they won't start saying something. So, uh, use some use some caution there and good good discretion when you do those types of things. But there are those who are embarrassed, or maybe they're just afraid to have a Bible study to talk about religion in front of others, maybe because they don't know very much about the Bible. And so, you know, honor that. Don't don't push it if they don't want to have religion or talk about it in front of others. They say, hey, when you want to talk about it some other time, you know, maybe or you know, just just us and, and maybe your wife or your husband or whatever the case may be, you know, or me and so and so will come can come and visit with you and talk about it at your home. They're probably gonna be a lot more apt to that than talking about it in front of others. <clears throat> if they he says here, if they consider something sacred, do not scoff at it. Feelings he says, respect, uh, respect for the feelings of others does not imply endorsement of their beliefs. He's saying being respectful doesn't mean that you endorse what, what they believe or what they do. But it does show that you are thoughtful of them. He says, if they hold a false prophet, we would say a false teacher, uh, do not make a personal attack on that person, but evaluate his claims, credentials, and teachings. So they, 
if they hold a, you know that someone is maybe they they think very highly of Benny Hinn or Joyce Meyer. Uh, you know, Joyce Meyer is huge uh, here in the states, uh, false teacher, but obviously, but you know she's huge here in the states. Um, Joel Osteen, huge. Uh, T.J. T.D. Jakes or whatever his his last name is Jakes, I think. Anyway, uh, people think very highly of these guys. We know what if they're not teaching the gospel, then they're not true teachers. And of course, uh, Joyce Meyer has no business being a public speaker. But anyway, if they think highly of these people, don't don't personally attack them, uh, attack that person. Just say you know when you come to a study, and then hey, talk about it. as you go through, talk about. What does the Bible say about this? And then they can say, well, you know, you thought, and later on as you get closer to, especially when you get to counting the cost, the lesson of counting the cost really deals with a lot of stuff. It's kind of a wrap-up, okay, here's the here's where the rubber meets the road, where, you know what, you thought highly of this person now, but you've seen what the Bible says. Should you, should you agree with what they're saying? No. And so that really takes care of a lot of problems. Either they're going to obey, take all that, take that lesson and, and apply it and understand it, what it means that they can't keep doing what they're doing or hold a person in high esteem when they're teaching false teaching and when they're all those types of things. Either they'll take that and they'll obey the gospel or they'll take that and they'll say, you know what, no, I still like this person and they won't obey the gospel. Or maybe they'll still want to, but they don't want to give up the other. Well, that's part of the kind of the cost. <clears throat> Let's see here. Next, he says here, he says, uh, give them time to think it over. Uh, I think that's something you, we have to realize that sometimes people need to think it over. They need time to think. Uh, maybe you don't need to have a Bible study every single day with them. Maybe every other day. Say, hey, or, you know, if you have Bible study that that morning, say, hey, let's we'll come back that evening. So they have all night, all morning before you come back. Give them some time to think about it. Uh, Raju says, we, we will be threatened and may may beaten if we discuss religious matters publicly in front of others like Hindus. Uh, you know, I, w <laughs> I had a, a, it wasn't a, really an experience, but I saw some hatred when while we were in Fiji, or so, I shouldn't say hatred, but anger, when we were passing out tracts and I ran across a Hindu woman that handed her a Bible tract, and I don't know what she said, but she she was, oh, she had a scowl on her face, and I just... Here you go, and she took it and walked away. Well, you know what? If they don't want it, they don't want to take it. But at the same time, we we can't be turned off too quickly by that kind of stuff. It's going to happen. Uh, getting back to what we're talking about, give them time to think it over. We need to give people time to think about what we've studied. Uh, as we'll talk about later in our class, when I, when we do Bible studies, you can lead them something to read. Lead them, you know. Uh, bring an outline of what you want to talk about that day, then leave it with them and have Bible verses on it for them to look at as well so they can think about it while you're gone. Come back the next day say, hey, do you have any questions what we talked about yesterday? Sean says here, it took five years for my childhood friend and preaching and preacher talking to me before I understood the truth. Uh, you know, that's a long time. You know, be thinking about sometimes... Uh, you know, five years, that's a long time. I think about some who I know of who would wait. I say, I say wait. They will keep, they will spend a lot of time talking to someone who is not interested. I think it's someone else we have to think about. Is we have to recognize those who are not interested. Uh, I know people who, you, who will go to visit someone and they'll talk to them. 
and the First Amendment, they could care less. And they do it all the time. Well, at some point we have to decide, you know what, either let someone else try or go find, you know, go go spend your time trying to talk to someone else. I think sometimes it's not so much that we stop trying, but maybe we let someone else do it. Because people respond differently to different people. And Sean says he says he was talked to off and on for almost that long. Uh, Chuck says it took he says it took his wife over thirty years. You know, it takes it takes different people different amounts of time. Uh, but I think again, I think we do have to recognize that there are some who clearly don't want to hear it, and sometimes we need maybe you let someone else do that, or someone else approach them or come back later. Uh, next, if they rely on excuses. If they are relying on excuses, we need to help them to overcome them. Uh, if they are relying on excuses, we need to help them to overcome them. If we think about that, there are those who, when they talk about, when you have a Bible study with them, they're going to have all kinds of excuses for different things, for what they do, for what they believe, for how they live. And so as we study with them, we can help them overcome those things and realize that uh, there's better, you know, how they can help them to overcome those excuses. Uh, next, we see here he says, uh, Well, did I skip one or did I have one in here? Okay, this one's not on the screen, but he says, As one learns more about his contact, he may be able to learn what, learn what keeps him from accepting Christ, and that's true. So, uh, sometimes you might have your own personal notes about someone, so you don't forget. You know, think about, well, there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, think about what, for instance, uh, well, first of all, whether it's, it doesn't matter if it's man and woman, are they married? Uh, if if they are, uh, great if, if they are divorced or if they've been divorced more than one time. Uh, if they have children, how the children are, they have children from multiple partners, in the past, um, the type of job they have, uh, those types of things can tell you a lot about people. Uh, what they you know, what <laughs> what shows they watch. Sometimes when you talk with them, that's why if you kind of befriend someone first, you can learn about some of the things, realize why they are the way they are, why they think the way they think. And so we have to we have to think about their, you might say their their life and why they would think a certain way. You know, why would they think it's not a big deal to to live together because well they have three kids before they got married and so you can see why they would think that or they think what's well, not a big deal to, to divorce someone even if they weren't faithful and maybe you just as they some would say well we just didn't get along well you understand when they say that because maybe they've been married and divorced two or three times and so we can understand what problems they have and why they might, what might keep them from obeying the gospel uh, if they drink, if they smoke, things like that. We have to think, keep all those things in mind. And you don't want to talk about those things, I think, in the very first study. Those are things you want to bring, you want to cover as you go through your studies. <clears throat> okay, I was just reading through you guys' comment here. Um, I don't want to get something. How they view you. You know, think about door knocking has a bad reputation 
because of the Jehovah Witness. But you notice they haven't stopped doing it. And they're actually very, they knock enough doors, they can be pretty successful for the amount of doors they knock. Uh, they're a growing group. Uh, how they view you. Some may think that, or he has here the, the question, does our life seem to them to be merely negative? Uh, you know, some look at the Christian life and they think, well, boy, they have a lot of things they cannot do. And I think we have to realize and put it forth this way. Is there, there are a lot of things that a Christian doesn't do because it's sin and therefore we don't have an interest in doing it. Uh, the Christian life is one that is guided by the word of God. And so I think when we put it in that, those types of words, definitely remind it's not one that's negative. It's one that is trying to be guided by the word of God. But some look at people who are Christians, for example, who are not involved in certain activities. And they say, well, look all the stuff they can't do. Well, it's not stuff we can't do because we have free will. We could actually we could do whatever we want, uh, but we want to do what the Bible says. And we want to please God, and so we refrain from doing those things. We can do whatever we want, just like anyone else that can, but we choose not to. We choose to refrain from sin. We choose to follow God's commands on such things so we can be pleasing to Him. <clears throat> Um, Brother Bell says here, We are not against certain things because we have a negative spirit, but because these things are against the things for which we stand. Uh, so it, it, just like what I was saying, it's not that we uh, have a negative viewpoint on some of these things. It's because it goes against what the Bible teaches. Uh, well, let me rephrase. It's not because we have negative spirits or negative attitudes. It's because it goes against what the Bible teaches. Uh, Sean says here, Being a Christian... Being Christian, the lifestyle change to obey the word. To me, it is like some someone becoming vegan. It's a lifestyle choice most of us can imagine. I enjoy my steaks. Well, me, <laughs> so am I. As one brother said, I'm a member of PETA, uh, people eating tasty animals. And uh, in that situation, yes, I am. But, uh, you know, you think about how we approach people. Setting up a Bible study, That's gonna, as I've said many times before, that's going to be the toughest part of doing personal work but if you can have patience and talk with them and you know like i said if you take your time and and, and approaching people and invite them to services uh, ask them questions you know about the bible you know what do you think about this what do you think about this or ask them if they have any bible questions sometimes if they start you know talking about something ask them to say you know what do you have any questions about anything in the bible uh and then talk about it together. So, you know, asking questions about things or asking people they have questions, uh, some may not when they really do because they don't want to, you know, they, they're maybe they're afraid, they're embarrassed to ask. But at the same time, you have those who, man, they're going to jump on it. And so we can use that to a window uh, for a Bible study.